0: a bit of a throwback, a throwback to 1995, the 1995 World Cup, does anybody remember that World Cup, yeah. right, it was a historic moment for South Africa, it was that World Cup that South Africa won, but more than that, it was the South African World Cup where Madiba put on, you remember this, work with me. Madiba Putan, Francois Pinard's top. And he walked onto the field and he went into the middle of the field and he lifted that trophy with Francois Pinard. You remember that moment? People have pictures of it everywhere in their house. But I want to take you back to a game before that, to the semi finals. So in the semi finals, France is playing the Boca. And it's a tight match if you remember. For those avid supporters, it was a tight match. It came to the last few minutes of the game. And the score was 19 to South Africa and 15 to France. And at the end of the match, there are scrums, three scrums, to be specific. You remember this? And it was three scrums that South Africa had to defend. So they're on the try line, work with me here, they're on the try line, but on France's try line. And South Africa on this side, trying to defend the try line France is on this side, trying to go forward. And in this moment, I watch the clip again on YouTube. In this moment, just before they're about to take the scrum, the team get together and they do a bit of a huddle. And they do a bit of a huddle and Bali Swart says to the team something so important. He says to the team, there's one of two ways we can go here. There's one of two ways they're defending. We can either go forward or we can go out. The score is 19-15. We can go forward to defend the try line, we can push them out or we can go out. But France is not coming over the try line. Needless to say, South Africa wins the match They win the scrum, they kick it out, and they win the match. And not only do they win the match, but they also win the 1995 World Cup. But let me tell you something. I believe that they won that match because of that statement of faith. It made me think that sometimes we need to win things in the spirit before we see it in the natural And the title of my message this morning is, Win It in the Spirit. I told you I'm preaching a prophetic message today. Now we're going to camp today in Luke 8, 40 to 56. And I'm going to preach from the Passion Translation, because I must be honest, I've never, ever heard this passage quite like I did when I prepared. But I want to tell you something. You're only going to get as much out as you lean in today. So I want to encourage you, sit on the edge of your seats. Come intentional to touch God today because he will meet you where you're at. Luke 8, 40 to 56. It's a long passage and bear with me, it's good. It starts off and it says, When Jesus returned to Galilee, the crowds were overjoyed, for they had been waiting for him to arrive. And just from that, you can see that he was there, he had left, and he had come back. But the time that he was there before, something must have happened. Because it says they were excited for him to return. You see, when Jesus is there, something is bound to happen. Just then, a man named Jairus, the leader of the local Jewish congregation, fell before Jesus' feet. He desperately begged him to come and heal his 12-year-old daughter, his only child. You've got to hear that. It was his only child because she was at the point of death. So Jesus started to go with him to his home to see her, but a large crowd surrounded him. And in the crowd that day was a woman who had suffered greatly for 12 years. Now, how many of you know 12 years is not a short period of time? Sometimes you suffer for two weeks, and that's long. But 12 years, this woman has been suffering. And even though she had spent all that she had on healers, she was still suffering. Listen to this. Pressing in through the crowd, she came up behind Jesus. And I've never seen this version before. Listen to this. She touched the tassel. Not even the hem, this version says. The tassel of his prayer shawl. Instantly, her bleeding stopped and she was healed. Jesus suddenly stopped and said to his disciples, someone touched me. Who is it? While they all denied it, Peter pointed out. I love Peter. Peter's always the one that's going to call it as it is. Master, I don't know if you noticed, but... Everyone is touching you, trying to get close to you. The crowds are so thick. And I'm pretty much thinking, he's saying, Jesus, are you thick? (laughs) But the crowds are so thick, we can't walk through all these people without being jostled. Jesus replied, yes, but I felt power surge through me. Someone touched me, but listen to this, someone touched me to be healed. And they received the healing. When the woman realized she she couldn't hide it any longer, she came and fell trembling at Jesus' feet. Before the entire crowd, she declared, I was desperate to touch you. Jesus, for I knew if I just touch the fringe of your garment, I will be healed. Jesus responded, beloved daughter, your faith in me has released your healing. Your faith in me has released your healing. You may go with my peace. And while Jesus was still speaking to the woman, someone came from Jairus's house and told him, listen to this, there's no need to bother the master any further. Your daughter has passed away. She is gone. Listen to Jesus' response. He says, when Jesus heard this, Now I'm picturing Jesus standing with Jairus and saying, look at me, look into my eyes. And he says to Jairus, don't yield to your fear. Have faith in me and she will live again. When they arrived at the house, Jesus allowed only Peter, John and James, along with the child's parents to go inside. And Jesus told those left outside, some people were left outside the miracle, listen to this, who were sobbing and wailing with grief, stop crying, she is not dead, she's just asleep and must be awakened. They laughed at him, knowing for certain that she had died, but Jesus approached the body, took the girl by her hand and called out with a, lu- with a loud voice, my sleeping child, awake and rise up. And we're going to speak that over our situations. Awake and rise up for you are just sleeping. Instantly, her spirit returned to her body and she stood up. Jesus directed her stunned parents to give her something to eat and ordered them not to tell anyone what happened. This is a long passage, I know, but I want to summarize it quickly. Jesus leaves Galilee, goes somewhere, and he's on his way back. And on his way back... This guy, Jairus, I can see him on the shore, working his way through the crowd, trying to get to the shore as quickly as he can. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I need to get there. I need to get there. And he gets to the shore and Jesus climbs out of the boat and he falls at Jesus' feet. And he says, please, please, please come with me to my home. And I can picture, you know, when small ones call their parents, it's like, come, 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 please, please, come with me. And I get this picture of Jairus saying, Come with me, come with me. My daughter is dying. But in and among this, as they're starting to walk to Jairus' house, they come across this massive, massive crowd. And in and among this crowd is a woman. A woman who's worming away through the crowd, thinking, I'm not leaving here without a touch. I'm not leaving here without a touch. I'm not leaving. He's in the midst. I'm not leaving without touching the hem today. And needless to say, she tries everything, sees all doctors that she can, and nothing is healing this woman. Spends all her money, but nothing is coming right. And she touches the tassel of his prayer shawl, and instantly she's healed. But while she's doing that, somebody from the house of Jairus comes running on and says, don't bother. Jairus, stop bothering the master. Your daughter is gone. She's dead. And I love Jesus' response. He says, it's my favorite, favorite line in this whole scripture. He says, Jairus, don't yield to your fear. And they make their way to the house, make their way to the house. And people are already wailing, crying already before the one who is able can do anything. They've already given up. And they walk into the house and the Lord says, I'm going to defy natural circumstances. And all you need to do is trust in me. Defy natural circumstances. Rise above the natural circumstances. And Jesus walks into the room with a few people, and heals her. I love these two stories. I love these two stories. They're so interwoven, and it's a beautiful account just of what is locked in here when we encounter Jesus. And I want to tell you this morning that we need to win some things in the spirit before we see it in the natural. And so I want you to come on a journey with me. There were four factors present In both these stories, and we're going to camp out here a while, there's four factors present in both these stories about what unlocked it for them to win it in the spirit. Factor number one, there was a level of expectation. There was a level of expectation. Luke 8 verse 40 says, when Jesus returned, they were all expecting him. Now, I don't know if you know this, but When Jesus is in the midst, something is bound to happen. And as I said, these people must have seen Jesus and been with Jesus before because the fact that he was coming back, they were overjoyed. They were overjoyed that he was coming back because I'm guessing the last time he was here, something happened. And the fact that he was returning meant something was bound to happen again. And when Jesus is present, we need to start believing that something extraordinary, as Pastor John preached about last week, something extraordinary will happen. What if we invited Jesus into our helpless, hopeless situations? Would we be as expectant? Would we be waiting for him like the crowds were waiting for him, overjoyed, waiting for his return? Factor number one, are you expectant for God to move in your situations? Factor number two, there was a level of desperation. I am telling you right now that Jairus was desperate. Why do I say that? Come look with me. In Luke 8 verse 42, it says, it was his only daughter, Now picture this with me, an only daughter, I'm guessing a few things. I'm guessing that she was much loved. Jairus had an amazing relationship with her. They were very close. And more than that, he was desperate because she was about to die. Factor number two, why was Jairus desperate? Verse 41 says, he desperately begged him to come with him. The verse says he fell at Jesus' feet, begging him to come to his house. And there's an increased desperation present in Jairus. But I want to say to you that Jesus is waiting for your desperation. It's Jesus' nature to respond to our desperation. Matthew nine nineteen says, Jairus asked him to come along, and Jesus Gets up immediately. No hesitation. Not, hold on, let me first feed the kid. Let me first do this. Immediately, Jesus says, I'm getting up and I'm coming with you. There was an immediate response of Jesus. I want to say this morning, he's waiting, and his nature is to respond to your desperation. Factor number three. There was a degree of being intentional. This one is my favorite. Out of all the factors, this one is my favorite. In the story of the woman of the issue of blood, in Luke 8.42, it says, a large crowd gathered around them. Now imagine the force to push through. I, I mean, I put myself in this situation, and I was like, the last crowd I was in was, I'm embarrassed to say, but the Justin Bieber concert. <laughs> I took my kids. That's my story. <laughs> But the Justin Bieber concert, trying to get in there, pushing through the crowd because we wanted to get our seats. We were like, excuse me, excuse me. And here's a large crowd gathered around, but this one woman is going to make sure that despite the crowd, against all odds, I'm going to touch Jesus today. And Luke 8.45, he says, someone touched me. Now, I want to tell you something this morning. Something that the Lord showed me in this verse. I believe that Jesus felt her intention more than he felt the touch on his cloak. Jesus felt her intention. She had an attitude that despite all odds, I'm not leaving here the same as what I came. I'm leaving here with an encounter. And in this moment, we can decide... I'm coming to this church today, and I'm sitting in this building, but I'm not leaving without a touch from you, God. My situation needs to change in Jesus' name. And in a situation where nothing has changed for 12 years, something happens when we are intentional intentional about making our way to Jesus. I want to invite you in this morning. Are you intentional? about meeting Jesus in your situation. Factor number four. It came to a point that she had to realize that Jesus was her source. Jesus is the origin. I mean, she's tried everything. Tried absolutely everything she could. Luke eight forty three 43b. I don't know where the b comes in, but b. It says, even though she had spent all she had she was still suffering. I'm guessing her own resources had run out. I'm guessing she came to the end of herself. Some other versions in the NRV says she had been to many doctors and spent all the money that she had. And you know what? She finds help at the end of herself. There was only one place to turn to, to the one who was able So there's four factors in the situation. A level of expectation, a level of desperation, being intentional and realizing that only God is our source. But Carla, what, what practical things can I do? What can I do? What can I actually do to win it in the spirit? I want to give you two tips. Two things that come out strongly in this verses. Number one, you've got to speak it, declare it. We can learn a lot from what Jesus does. They get back to the house and what appears in the natural is not what he speaks. So they get to the house and they're wailing and they're grieving and people are crying. But Jesus chooses to defy the natural circumstances, church. And he speaks what they are trusting for. He speaks what they are trusting for Romans 4:17 one of my favorite verses it says we need to speak things that are not as though they are exactly Ezekiel spoke life into the dry bones Jesus spoke life into the dead situation Matthew 9:18 says Jairus says my daughter has just died But despite how it looks in the natural, Jesus says, she is not dead. She's only asleep. He speaks life into the situation. The woman with the issue of blood, she says, even though I've been suffering for 12 years, even though, if only I can still just touch the hem of his garment. She speaks life into a situation. Maybe we need to define natural circumstances, church. I want to ask you this morning, what are you speaking? And what are you trusting for? Speak life. Point number two, what else can you do? You can identify those who are in your winning team. Now, I know many of you know the story of Gideon. And in Gideon, there were only... 300 people that went to battle with him. But those 300 people were the right people battling with him, right? Because they won the victory. You should identify the people that are in your winning team. And there are four groups of people in this this scripture. And I've never seen it before, but watch this. There are four groups of people in this scripture. There are those that leave the battlefield halfway through the battle. Who are you journeying with? Because in Luke 8.52, it says, meanwhile, all the people were wailing and mourning, saying, she is dead. They gave up before the battle was won. They walk out before, before the whole situation turns. I want to talk another situation. Imagine going to a stadium, and you're watching a cricket match, You're watching a rugby match, and you know how it goes. People want to get out as soon as they can. So before the match is over, what do you see on the stands? You see people walking out, people leaving the game already before the final score. And how many times is it that in those last few moments, in those last few moments, the game turns, and you missed out on it? There are people that leave the battlefield before the battle is won. Who are you journeying with? Second group of people, those that don't have the faith but will support. They don't have the gift of faith. They don't have the gift of faith, and that's okay. But they're in the house. They might be wailing. They might be, but they are there in the house where it's happened and they're there supporting you. They don't get invited into the room where the miracle happens, but they're in the house supporting you. Recognize those people. They might not have the faith, but they're going to support you. Group number three. There's another group. I love this group because the Lord also showed me something in this verse. They are those that form part of the noise. Matthew 9.23 says, When Jesus entered the ruler's house and saw the flute player and the noisy crowd, he said, Go away. Now listen to me quickly. It says, Jesus saw the noisy crowd. But when there's a noisy crowd, do you see them or do you actually hear them? What should you do? You hear them. But Jesus says, He saw the noisy crowd. And I want to tell you it's less about the volume here and it's more that he sees into their disbelief, their unbelief. He sees the noisy crowd. I want you to remember as you journey to your miracle to win it in the spirit, there is going to be a noisy crowd. There's always a distraction. Identify the noisy crowd And he says, go away. He shuts it out. Last group of people. Those that believe and will form part of Team Miracle. Jesus only takes three people into the room with him. Did you notice? He takes Peter, James, and John with the parents. The rest he leaves outside in the house. And he says, you stay there, but I'm taking Peter, James, and John with me. And I started off by saying... They were all, as he got off the, sh- the boat onto the shore, they were all expecting him. You know what? They could be all expecting him, but only a small core would be part of the miracle. Allow some people to win it in the spirit with you. Who are forming your team miracle? Sometimes we need to understand who we're journeying with. And be clear who to shoulder your problems with. There's a few things a level of expectation, a level of desperation, being intentional, and realizing that God is your source. But we need to speak it in faith, and we need to identify who is in our team. I want to share a story with you. It was about a year ago, more than a year ago, it's 18 months ago, actually. I came back from Liberty Church, from preaching at the conference, and my world turned upside down. I came back completely being hit by the enemy, completely anxious, completely overwhelmed. And I said to Eugene, I don't know what is happening to me, but something has changed in my world. I can't find peace. I don't know what peace is. I don't know where peace is. And in true Carla style, I tried to solve it by myself. I can fix this. I need to analyze it. I need to sort it out. What is the cause? What is the trend? What is the trigger? Let me sort this out. And guess what? 12 years as that woman suffered, this thing was not going away. Anxiety was clouding me. It was taking hold of my life. And one day, Eugene said, I'm driving you straight to the red couch because this is not good. And I came, into, I came into the office. I was prayed over. But still, I was battling this thing in my own strength. Found all resources I could. Looked up professional help. Chatted to people overseas that were struggling with the same thing, trying to fix this thing. And I said... I can't remember ever feeling at peace. I just don't have a peace. But my breakthrough came recently, church. On one of my mornings recently in the last month, I did a walk alone, did some exercise, and on this walk I said to the Lord, I am tired of this. You say in your word, it is for freedom that we have been set free. And this does not feel like freedom, Jesus. This is not the life I'm meant to live. You promised to give us abundant life. I'm not abounding right now. This is not abundant life that you promise in your word. And I said to the Lord, I've come to the end of myself, but I'm desperate for a touch from you. I know that only you can move in my situation. And I said, God... I'm expectant that only you can change the situation. I'm expectant that if I touch the hem of your garment, you're going to change my situation instantly. And I said, you are my source, and you are the God of peace. I'm trusting you. And I did what I could in my strength. I started giving my time to God, spending time in the Word, Communing with him daily, setting an alarm at 12 o'clock every single day just to talk to God. 12 o'clock on my phone, my alarm goes off, I'm talking to the Lord. And I commune with him daily. And I started exercising because how many of you know that exercise is important for your mental health as well? I started exercising again. And I shared my struggle with part of Team Miracle. Who are those people that you're going to let into your story to win it in the spirit? And I shared my struggle with Team Miracle. And Team Miracle were praying for me day in, day out. Team Miracle were praying. And I can say with confidence over the last month, I've never felt freer than I do right now. But God is our source. You need to come to a place where you are desperate, where you're expectant, where you realize that God is your source. And maybe you've been going through whatever it is for 12 years. And I want to say, I, I don't know where, it's not in my notes, but some of you feel like you've won the battle before. You thought you've won the battle before. But somehow it just keeps coming back, and coming back, and coming back. And God wants to win this battle once and for all, church. God wants to win this battle once and for all for you. When you win it in the Spirit, you will find a newfound freedom. I'm telling you that. Winning it in the Spirit will cause an immediate change and a newfound freedom. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom indeed. And maybe the answer to your battle. Maybe the answer to your battle is fighting it in the spirit. To defy natural circumstances this morning. To defy what it looks like in the natural church. And God is waiting to respond to your desperation and your expectation this morning. God's nature is to respond to our desperation. So I want to invite you this morning to change your tactic To speak faith into your situations. To get people alongside you that are going to win it in the spirit with you. And to start speaking life into your situations. Despite how they look, start speaking life, church. Speak life into your situations. Ezekiel spoke life into the dry bones.